Amen. Be seated. I've been there, BJ. That's one of those songs that's great, but uh, there's so many different arrangements for it. Let me tell you what two weeks of Bible camp does to you. Uh, You have a wonderful time. You come home, you sleep all afternoon Sunday, and you're still tired. Uh, So that's pretty much where I'm at this uh, this evening, but I'm glad that we can uh, be here together. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 is where we'll be here uh, in just a few minutes. Philippians chapter 2. We know from Scripture that Scripture teaches us that uh, God, before the foundation of the world, determined that Jesus would be sacrificed because of man's sin. A number of verses tell us that. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8. And Peter even mentions it in his uh, Pentecostal sermon uh, in Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24, when he says, Men of Israel... Listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. So God, before the foundation of the world, knew that Jesus was going to have to come and die. Now, the next minute or two uh, is purely fictional, all right? This is not scriptural. I'm not getting this uh, from the Bible, but it is a biblical idea, a biblical thought from Philippians chapter 2 that we'll talk about here in just a minute. But this is what I imagined happened. At some point, segment of eternity i can't say a moment in eternity because moment doesn't have eternity doesn't have time so there is no moment but at some point in eternity god had a conversation with himself god the father god the son god the spirit had a conversation with themselves with himself and let's assume let's imagine if you will go with me on this in in my imagination here Uh, let's imagine that this was a, a point in 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 uh in the eternity where God had already decided we're going to make something, but before they had made anything. And surely there would have been a, a conversation, maybe something like this. You know, that's a, that's a great idea. I love that idea. I can't wait to, to see our creation on, on the earth. I can't wait to have a relationship with them. And you said something about a, a garden. We're going to get to go down and be with them. I can't wait. That sounds amazing. But then God said to God, You know they're going to mess it up, right? You know they're going to do something that ruins this perfect creation that you made. When that happens, what are we going to do? And then God would say to God, well, you know, we've we've got to hold them accountable. Uh, we're perfect and, and we're holy and we're we're just so if they mess up you know we're gonna we're gonna tell them as a part of this creation we're gonna tell them what we expect from them there's gonna be you know we're gonna make our expectations clear and we're gonna show them the right way they ought to live so so there there has to be accountability because we're gonna let them know right and wrong we're gonna help them understand these things and i'm a just god we've we've got to hold them accountable to the things that they do wrong Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. We'll start actually in verse 3. Once I get there. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Don't look out for your own personal interest, but for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus 
who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of man, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Probably a fairly familiar passage to you. I want to to point out a few things and emphasize a little bit of what the the Bible is telling us here. Uh, Again, verse 5, have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, okay? We want to follow Jesus as Christians. Here's some attitudes. Here's a way we ought to be living our lives. It says he existed in the form of God. Make no mistake about it. We understand this, but Jesus has always been God. Jesus was God, is God. Uh, He did not regard a thing... uh, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. He did not, he did not, he was unwilling or he was uh, willing to, to let go of the assertion that he could have, take, uh, could have taken as God. He was willing to, in, in verse, uh, verse 7 it says, but he emptied himself. Uh, a literal translation of that could, have, could say this, he laid aside the privileges of being God. Did you hear that? Can you imagine, what are the privileges of being God, Right? You know, you think about, you know, uh, when we think about getting a job or, or you know, uh, just different situations, a lot of time it's about who you know, right? You know, if you know this person, then you've got an in. Or if you know this person and you get in trouble, then maybe you, you don't get in as much trouble because you know somebody who's uh, influential in this group or that group. But, uh, and you have these, these privileges that go along with uh, who you know or what you've accomplished or any of these things. But, but Jesus lays aside the privileges of being God. And he lays those aside for us so that he can take the form of a bondservant, so he can be found in appearance as a man, and he submits himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Go back with me to that scene in heaven. I don't know where that scene would have taken place. Maybe it was on one of the golden streets as God is talking to himself. Maybe it's in the throne room near the crystal sea. Maybe it's near one of those dwelling places that God has prepared for us. I don't know where it's happening, but this conversation of, uh, you know, I'm excited about this. It's going to be wonderful. I can't wait for us to make this creation. You know they're going to mess it up. What are we going to do about it? We've got to hold them accountable because we're just and we're going to make our expectations clear. And then God would say to himself, I'm going to have to go down there. And then eventually the, the part of the Godhead known as Jesus, God the Son, would say, I'll go. I imagine that in this heavenly realm that there were other beings there, angels perhaps. In the Bible we have at least two angels that are named, Gabriel and and Michael. Uh, What if one of them are are walking by at this time? What if they were walking by and they've overheard God talking to himself about this creation and, and, and he's getting excited about it, this angel's getting excited about it. But then when God says, I'll go down there and, and maybe he can, by inference of listening to the conversation, know what all that might mean, he would say, wait, 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 God, God, you can't go down there. You, you can't do that. That's the, no, God, you, you're God. You can't go down there. And maybe God would turn to to Michael or to Gabriel or to some other being here and say, I can and I will. I am. And the angel would say, well, why? Why? Why would you leave this place? Why would you lay aside the privileges of, of being God? Why would you leave this and go there? And God would say to him, because I love them. And you, like me, if we were this angelic being would say god you haven't even made them yet 
You haven't even met them. How, how, can, how can you love them? There's no way you can love them. They don't even exist yet, God. How do you love them? Maybe God would say something like, I love them because it's what I do. I love them because that's who I am. And with those words, those powerful words from Old Testament Scripture and New Testament Scripture, when God says, I am, all arguments would cease. And the angel would simply bow in reverence and perhaps continue on his journey. Jesus lays aside the privileges of being God, even though he had every right to assert that power. And he comes to this world. He lives a life just like you and I live, meaning he's gone through the same kind of things that you've gone through, happiness and joy and sadness and sorrow, pain and difficulty, loss and love, and ultimately death, only to be raised again so that we can have the hope of eternal life. Notice what it says in verses 9 through 11 of Philippians chapter 2. Because of this obedience to the point of death, even death on the cross, for this reason also God highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on Jesus the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And why did he do this? Why did Jesus do this? Why is God doing this? To the glory of God the Father. God leaves heaven even though he didn't have to leave heaven, even though he didn't need to leave heaven. He left heaven to come and to do all of this for us so that we would point back to God and give him glory and be thankful for the blessing and the sacrifice that he made. And then he invites you and I to do the very same thing. He invites you and I to both exalt Jesus and to later be exalted by Jesus. Look at verses 12 through about verse 16. So then... My beloved, so then Christians, so then followers of Jesus, just as you have have always obeyed, Paul says to the Philippians, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. When's the last time you grumbled or disputed about something church-related? Today, maybe? When's the last time you grumbled or disputed or didn't like or just were upset about something in your spiritual life, in the church family, in Christianity in general? We do that. And he says, don't do that. Don't do that. And I, I would say that when the next time that we're tempted to, remember what Jesus did. He left the place we're all trying to get to. The, the power that he could have rightly asserted The privileges that belonged to him, he laid them aside and he came to this place. And we know how messed up of a place this place is for our good. The next time you're tempted to grumble or dispute about what God wants you to do because it's a little difficult, because it's not exactly what you want, remember what Jesus did for you. Verse 15, by doing so you will prove yourselves or you will become blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world other versions say among whom you shine like stars in the universe at some point whether it happened exactly how I described it or not but at some point in some segment of eternity God decided let's create something he said let there be light and there was light He created the world and he said, let us make man 
in our image. Scripture also tells us uh, in Jeremiah that uh, God says of Jeremiah, before I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. So that means at some other point in, in eternity, some other segment of eternity, for Jeremiah specifically, and I think we could apply it to all of us, that God said, let's make you. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 says, we're saved by grace through faith, not, a, not because of our works so that any man may boast. And then verse 10 says that we've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. So that also means that when God said, let me make you, God had in his mind jobs and work for you to do. Perhaps in some segment of eternity, God looks down at a place in Cookville, Tennessee, on the corner of Jackson and Jefferson. And he looks miraculously not only through the, crowd, the clouds, but also through the ceiling above us, and he looks down on you. And he knows you. He knows the good. He knows the bad. And he knows the really bad. But Jesus laid aside the privileges of being God so that he could come and die for you. Tonight, if you're a Christian, do you have that kind of attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus? Not looking out for your own personal interests, but also, and maybe even more importantly, for the interests of others. Does your life reflect that? And if we are honest with ourselves, at least part of the time, probably most of the time, I probably don't treat you as more important than me. But that's the exact attitude that we're called to have. The exact attitude that Jesus had for us. So there's certainly a challenge there. Think about other people more important than you think about yourself. But then also take great joy in the fact that Jesus did that for you. Even knowing that you would mess it up. Even knowing that you would be imperfect. So that you could have the hope of eternal life. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. Uh, Lord, we, we don't know exactly how, I, I can't explain exactly how the Godhead works. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Uh, but your word teaches it, and I believe it. God, I don't always understand your ways. Your ways are higher than my ways, and your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. But I trust you. God, I, I don't know all the things that you would have for me to do. But I believe, because your scripture tells us that before I was born, before any of us were born, you had things that you would like for only us to do. God, we thank you for the fact that your son, that God, you yourself, laid aside the privileges of being God, came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died a horrible death, and rose victoriously. God, help us to remember that the next time we're tempted to complain or dispute or argue or grumble about whatever is going on in our life. Help us to realize the sacrifice that you made so that we could have the hope of eternal life and have life abundantly here on earth. Lord, please forgive us when we fail, whether it be in our own attitude or when we fail to treat other people as more important than ourselves or when we fail to recognize and appreciate all the things that you have done for us and do for us each and every second of our existence. Lord, we know that eternity goes on and on and on and on and on. And we know that your Bible tells us, your word tells us, that we will spend that eternity in either heaven or hell. Thank you for making a way to be with you, God, 
in heaven eternally. And Lord, help us to follow Jesus each and every day. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Tonight, if you're not a Christian, if you haven't dedicated your life uh, to following Jesus, allowing him to be your Lord, uh, then we want to invite you to do that. Uh, the, the way that the Bible tells us to do that is if you believe that Jesus Christ is a resurrected Son of God, if you'll name him as your Lord, meaning that you will follow him to the best of your ability, not perfectly but faithfully, uh, then you can put on Christ in baptism, have the remission of your sins, all your sins will be washed away. If you need that tonight, we are ready to help you for that. Most of us here tonight, maybe all of us, are Christians. And we know most of the things we've talked about already tonight. Um, God is always looking down. And he has an expectation that you're going to be following his son Jesus. If that's not you, and you recognize that's not you, and you need help, and you need forgiveness, and you want to pray about that with us, we want to do those things for you. If you want to let us know that, you can come forward as we stand and sing.